Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. The reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 24. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way that you have learned. When you heard about Christ, and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Thanks, Rebecca. Steve's going to come up and speak to us now. I'm just going to pray before he does. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us hearts that are very humble before your word and hearts that are willing to listen to Steve and then think of the tough areas where we need to apply these truths. I pray that you'd help us to be attentive and really take things away that are going to tangibly impact us in the weeks going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Great, thank you, Pat. If I haven't met you, nice to meet you. I'm Steve, I'm going to be speaking today. So I wonder if you ever had an experience of nearly dying? and then being given life. I, uh, am, I have what's called Addison's disease, so I lack cortisol. My body doesn't produce a, a key hormone that regulates the blood and metabolism and stress. It's vital for the blood flow in the body. I was discovered this when I was around 24 years old, and I went into a crisis, and I was on the verge of death. You have uh, what's called an Addisonian crisis, and you're really one or two, three days away from dying, and your body shuts down. And as I went into this crisis, I was on a hospital bed. I wasn't hungry. I didn't want to eat. I didn't have the mental capacity to read or watch TV. I didn't have energy to talk. I was very ill. I was close to death. Um, But then one of the doctors worked out what was wrong, that I lacked cortisol. And uh, he pushed, uh, well, he got the nurse to push 100 milliliters of, uh, of um, hydrocortisone through the intravenous, uh, you know, in, in, your, in, your, um, in your elbow uh, I- I- I into me. And I remember that the, the nurse hadn't actually stopped pushing the injection into my arm. And I could still see most of the fluid was in the injection. And the first drops, I came alive. It was remarkable. I've never had an experience like it. I was on the verge of death. My body was shutting down. I had one drop of hydrocortisone, and I became alive. And, uh, and uh, it was amazing. And then I started to talk. I started to eat. I was hungry. I started reading my book. I started cracking my usual terrible jokes at the doctors and nurses. Uh, I'd been changed within minutes, and I mean minutes, seconds. It was a remarkable experience. Uh, It was instantaneous. It was dramatic. I was on the verge of death, and I was given life. I was weak and frail, and power came into me. Why do I mention this? Not to give you that are interested in medicine a little anatomy lesson. Because a Christian, becoming a Christian is like being given a shot of cortisone when you're an Addison's sufferer. You are dying and powerless. 
and life comes into you from outside and rejuvenates you. And in the first part of the book of Ephesians, it's talked about a number of ways this has happened. For example, it says, what was your life like before you came to know Jesus? It says you were dead in your transgression. You were enslaved to the world, the flesh, and the devil. You were by nature an object of God's righteous anger. It says you were cut off from God and you were cut off from one another. It says you were without God and without hope in this world. It says, but God made you alive with Christ. Uh, he says, God gave you a purpose and has prepared works that you are to do. In, you know, he's prepared them in advance and you are to do them. Um, he says in chapter 1 that his incomparably great power is at work in us who believe, like the power that exerted Christ from the dead. In other words, becoming a Christian is not about a few people who get together to say, how can we live good lives and try hard? Most people in the world think that's what a Christian is. It's not. Becoming a Christian is saying, I'm dying and powerless. I'm spiritually cut off from God. I'm weak in and of myself, but I've been made new. Christians aren't necessarily nice people, though hopefully we are. We are new people. And so Paul in chapters 1 to 3 in Ephesians has been saying, this is what God has done in Christ to make you new, to give you life, to give you power, and not just you individually, but to form a new society on earth that represents him. That's the church, a new community. And so the question Paul now turns to in this letter that he's writing to Gentile Christians in the city of Ephesus who've come to faith in Christ and had this new life given them, the question he, he's now asking is, well, how should we live as new people? How should we do it? Now look at verse 17 there. Paul says, so I tell you and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Paul is saying, if you understand what it is to have new life in Jesus, the power and this change and this transformation that's come into your life, well, you can't go on living like everyone else in the world who hasn't got this. And like you before you became a Christian, you can't live the same. God wants his community to be different, to be holy, to be set apart, to shine in the darkness. Our lives must look different. We must live this new life. And so a question that has consumed me for years I mean, consumed me for years and has been a question that I've been asked hundreds of times as a pastor of various, you know, people, by various people is, uh, well, how do I change as a Christian? How do I grow? How do I mature? How do I see my character become more like Jesus? Do I try harder? Do I give myself a set of rules that I try and obey? Again, that's how most people think change as a Christian happens. Try harder. Have a list of rules you're supposed to keep. And Paul here in Ephesians says, no, no, no. His main answer, the big point of today, is be who you already are in Christ. You have a new life, you have a new power, so become the person that you already are. Or adopt the clothes that you have been given already by Christ. Become who you already are in Christ. It's not striving to attain something that's not already yours. Jesus has given you the new life. So as Paul says elsewhere in his letter to the Philippians, let us live up to what we've already attained. You've been given this new life, so live it. It's not this thing you have to, to attain towards. This is, the this is the secret of Christian growth. You are a new person. You have a new power. So be that and, 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 with, and draw the strength that that power gives you. And so in this passage, Paul's going to say two new things, two things that have happened in the past to the Christian, 
which mean you can live a new life and change and grow as a Christian. He's going to talk about a new identity that has been given, a new mindset that you've received, and then he's going to say, once you understand these things, you can live a new way. So let's look at them, a new identity. If you look at the passage there, Paul exhorts the Christians in Ephesus to think through, well, in verses 17 to 19, he says, this is what you once were and what everyone else is outside of Jesus. And then in verses 20 to 24, he says, now this is who you are. He's making the contrast. You know your new identity. That's what you were. That's what those that don't know Jesus are like. This is what you are like as someone who's come to Christ. He's talking about the identity, the mindset, and the lifestyle. Now, Paul doesn't pull any punches, does he? Look at verse 17 onwards. Futile in their thinking, darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God, ignorant, hardened in their hearts, lost all sensitivity, given themselves over to sensuality with a continual greed and a sense of it never being satisfied. Paul says to the, to the Ephesians, that's what you once were. If you look at verse 22, he says, you were taught with God to the former way of life. That's how you were, past tense, to put off and, and being made new. And look at verse 24. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says, you have this new self, now put it on. Now, what is the new self? Who are you as a Christian? I'm a failure, I'm, I'm a sinner, I always make mistakes. Wait a minute, to put on the new self, what are you? To be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is already who you are. Now, be who you are. Now, to help us understand this, Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, uses a phrase, and he uses it here, there, in, uh, in verse 21, in Christ. Look at that in verse, you heard about Christ when you were taught in Him, according to the truth that is in Jesus. Paul uses this phrase, in Christ, 27 times in the letter. In other words, becoming a Christian is more than just like believing certain things that Jesus did 2,000 years ago when He died and rose. It's not less than that, but it's more. It's that Jesus joins his life to use you in such an intimate and comprehensive way that the prevailing metaphor for this union with Jesus is marriage. We're in Christ. We're united with him. Or as Jesus famously put it, it's like a vine connected to branches. And we're the branches and he's the vine. And so there's this intimate connection in his life. It's coming into us. We're in him. We're the branches and he is in us. Christ's life is inextricably bound up in ours and ours in Him. This is known, and I'm going to get a bit theological for a bit, stay with me, as union with Christ. Summarized by this expression, you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. What is my identity as a Christian? I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me. Now, the actual word when Paul says the former self and the new self is the old man, and people think he's referring to Adam. It's like, before I was in Adam, the old man, and my nature was corrupt, sinful, decaying, ignorant, dark, and I lived in uncontrolled passions. My identity, my nature, and power were all messed up because I was in Adam. But now I'm in Christ, the new man. I've been given a cortisone injection. I'm not dying anymore. I don't live in that corrupt nature. I've been given life, and therefore I have a new nature, and I've been created to be like God in all holiness and righteousness. So I have this new identity which has a new nature. Now, why is this important when you think about how do I change as a Christian? Well, again, slightly theological. The key thing, and I'll explain what this means, is that both our justification 
and our sanctification come from being united with Jesus. Those are long words. Let me explain them really quickly. Justification is this doctrine that says we are right with God. We are given a right standing. We're given a righteousness before God through faith in Christ, not through our own works. We don't deserve this status, but we gain it by faith as a gift. We are legally or declared right, or we have a positional righteousness is another theological term. I'm loading them today. Sorry. Uh, But it's this idea that I stand before God the judge, and he declares me right because I'm in Jesus, and Jesus is perfect. Uh, and this is, this is, I'm in Christ. And this is a once-for-all thing that happens to the Christian. That's why a Christian is, I'm trying to be good. A Christian is, I've been given you life. I now have a right standing with God through faith. But then there's what's called sanctification, which is becoming like God. It's not that I'm right with God. That's happened. It's I'm becoming like God in my character. And this is a moral, progressive righteousness. So I have a legal righteousness before God. As God sees me, he sees me as, 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 as he sees Jesus because I'm in Jesus. But now this is sanctification. I'm becoming more and more like God as his character is at work with me because Christ is in me, you see. And that character is being worked out in me. And this is not a once-for-all thing, justification. This is an ongoing thing. Christ is in me. And in effect, in chapters 1 to 3, Paul has been saying, you're in Christ. Can I tell you how amazing it is what God has done in Christ? And then in chapters 4 to 6, he's saying, Christ is in you. Now live it out, this new life. But you see, whether it's once for all or ongoing, it's all from and through and in Jesus. You see, some people think that, oh, look, I'm saved by grace, but then I'm sanctified by hard work. Huh. I'm saved, you know, apart from the law through faith in Christ, but I'm sanctified through obeying a law. You know, it's all down to me now. Once I've been saved, I have to work really hard to be a good Christian kind of thing. No. Or conversely, some people think, well, you know, God's going to forgive me anyway. Why bother changing? I can never become perfect before heaven, so there's no point. Oh, it feels, if it's like hard work, it can't be from God. So let go and let God. Do you see, whichever way it is around the sanctification, we mess it up. Because we don't realize it all comes from being united with Christ, that we are in him and he is in us. So trying to become like Jesus through your own hard work or giving up trying to become like Jesus at all, you fail to know who you are. You're in Christ and Christ is in you. And if you understand your new identity and the nature that you're given, uh, then you won't just think it's all down to me and hard work, but you won't think there's no point. So let me bring this down to earth, come out of all the theological stratosphere we've been in, and and just think really practically. How do you change as a Christian? How do you get over those habits? How do you overcome those sins? How do you see the fruit of the Spirit? How, how, how? Paul says, be who you are. Be who you are. Put on the new self. Verse 24, amazing verse. Put on the new self, created to be like God. You are created to be like God. You're not a failure. You're not this, you know, I can never do anything right. You're created to be like God. You could absolutely change. In other words, wear the clothes that are suitable for the new person you are. Paul talks about putting on. It's like putting on new clothes. Let me give you five quick analogies. Any Man United fans in the room? Hands up if you support Man United. Okay, one, two. Okay, great. So it's like being given the wonderful privilege of being transferred from Man United to Tottenham Hotspur. From Adam to Christ. And we must there take off that horrible, tatty, rotten red kid and put on a bright, shining, white Tottenham one. You've been transferred. 
Stop wearing the old kits. Never, Matthew says it like that. Okay? Or union with Christ, this is a better analogy, is like being released from a nasty prison. You used to curl up in bed when someone walked by because you didn't want to get beaten. You would pass dirty magazines through the wall. You would threaten and intimidate people to get first in line for the grub. But once you are out of the prison, you don't act like that anymore. You're, you're in a different world now. In fact, the first thing you do when you come out of prison is change your clothes. Don't wear the convict clothes outside. That would be strange. Those nasty old clothes need to go. You're not a prisoner anymore. So wear the right clothes. Or, it's, or uni with Christ's third analogy is like a 10-year-old refusing to be called baby by his friends. You know, you're a baby. He knows he's not a baby anymore. He's a boy. So he starts acting like a grown-up. It's who he is now. I've moved teams. I play for Tottenham. I've come out of prison. It's who I am now. Or union with Christ is like coming to Trinity College on a horse as a student, unloading your quill and ink bottle, lighting a bunch of candles and trying to communicate in Morse code only to realize you're not in the right century. We'd all be surprised to meet such a college student. She needs to start living in the proper age. It's who she is. Well, union with Christ is like traveling to Boston on a plane, the east coast of America, but forgetting to change your watch five hours back. So you eat, you sleep, you work, you socialize five hours behind everyone else. Now you're in Boston, align the clock. It's where you are. It's your legal standing, you could say. It's, where, it's your positional standing. Line up. Whatever analogy helps you, the big idea is, how do you change as a Christian and become more like God? You remember who you already are. You've transferred teams. You've been released from prison. You're a 10-year-old, not a baby. You live in 21st century, so get your laptop out if you're a student. You've moved to Boston, so align your watch. Become who you already are. You have a new nature, a new identity. Cortisol has been injected into your Addison's riddled body. Now start talking, eating, reading, cracking bad jokes. Be who you are. You're in Christ, and Christ is in you. The world around us constantly says, be who you are. You were born this way. Be true to yourself. Relax. Stop trying to be someone you're not. Be who you are. Paul, instead of saying relax, you're born this way, says relax. You. Good news. You're reborn this way. Now be who you are in Jesus. It's already your identity and your nature. Let me pull into a practical lay-by and think of how this would actually work in your daily life with habitual sin. Sins and habits you cannot give up. Behavior you know that dishonors God, but you can't seem to get rid of it. Firstly, the first thing you need to say is, I'm in Christ. When you feel defeated and ensnared, like you're never going to get over this particular sin, habit, or hang-up, when your enemy accuses you, when your heart tells you to retreat in shame, when you, uh, you can rehearse and remember, I'm in Christ. I am one for whom Christ died. The work of Christ sets me free from sin's penalty. So rather than turning away from God, you can actually turn towards Christ precisely in the moment when you're tempted to hide from him. You can boldly approach his throne in your legal righteousness. Even though you're a sinner before God, through faith you're declared righteous. You can go to him confident, justified. You're in Christ. Don't hide in shame. Accept your legal standing before God. Embrace it in your worst moments. It's good news, Christianity. It's not about being good people. Secondly, Christ is in you. 
You're not left on your own resources. The obedient, powerful, merciful Jesus dwells in you. Christ is in you is greater than anything that threatens you. The person of Christ sets you free, not just from the penalty, but from the power of sin. So when you feel as though you're drowning in a sea of trouble, you don't have to medicate your feelings or reach for a solution that might temporarily temporarily relieve, but ultimately destroy you. You can choose instead to draw on Christ's strength, and you'll find that you are strengthened. You can take one more step, even in the dark. You can make one more new choice. You can hold on for one more minute. Sanctification. Christ is in you. Draw on his strength right now. Be who God has already made you in Christ. You have a new nature, a new identity, a new power. And my second point, a new mindset. You see, if the key to change as a Christian is to be who I already am, I better understand in my mind who I already am. I need a new mindset. Do you notice how the contrast Paul makes between the Gentiles and the Christians is predominantly in the mind? Look down at those verses again. Verse 17, futile thinking. Verse 18, darkened in understanding. Uh, Verse 18, ignorant. That's all in the mind. And then conversely, as he talks about these Gentile converts in Ephesus, verse 20, you have learned Christ. Verse 21, you have heard him. You were taught in him. These expressions evoke the image of a school. Paul is reminding the Christians, past tense, of what has already been taught. He's not telling them new commands. He says, this is what you were taught. This is how your mind was changed when you became a Christian at your conversion. Just read again verse 22 with me. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which has been corrupted in its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put, off the new, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Christians have a new mindset. Again, this is both a once-for-all thing that happens at conversion. My mind has been opened. I've been given sight. And a a continuing thing, I continually need to have my mind renewed and not believe the lies and what the world tells me. Romans puts it like this famously, Paul in another letter to another Gentile church where there's lots of converts. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind needs to be renewed. Now, let me give you an example, three examples. Let's think about money, sex, and power. Has your mind been renewed over those three areas? If not, you'll never become more like Jesus because you'll believe the wrong things. For example, you don't need to have lots of money to be content. Do you know that? Do you believe it? You don't need to be sexually active to be fulfilled. Do you believe that? Has your mind been renewed? You don't have to have a prestigious and powerful place in society to be important. Do you believe it? Has your mind been renewed over these huge areas? Contentment, fulfillment, and status now comes from being in Christ. If your mind hasn't been renewed, you will continue to live in the futility that the Gentiles live in, in their thinking. Or what about, has your mind been renewed regarding identity and value? Andrew just spoke about an example from his own life. We had to renew his mind this week through his interview. Your value doesn't come through success and failure. Do you believe that? Your value doesn't come from the role you play day to day. Your value doesn't come from social popularity. Your value doesn't come from body shape or external beauty. No, your value comes from Jesus' success, serving him faithfully day to day, knowing his acceptance and being more concerned with inner beauty than external beauty. You're in Christ now. That's where your value is. Or 
Are you still living like the Gentiles in the futility of their thinking regarding these huge issues? Has your mind been renewed? Does it need to continually be renewed? Or what about this one? Security and future hope. Our hope is not in the homes we live in or the marriages we hope to have. It's not. Do you believe it? Our hope is not in the jobs we have or the money we earn. Our hope is not in the earthly family that's around us. Our hope is not in earthly things or earthly relationship. Our hope, our security, our, 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 our future is in a heavenly home, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, a spiritual family here on earth and in heaven where we belong, are cherished, and are supported. You're in Christ now. Do you see Paul saying, if you don't understand some fundamental things that we have to change our thinking, you'll never live like Jesus wants you to because you'll be pulled in the wrong way. You need a new mind. It was the lie in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? No, you won't be happy if you live God's way. Live another way. It was the lie in the Garden of Eden that caused our first parents to turn from God's way of living to a false way of living. So it is the truth as we turn and have our minds transformed from lies to God's truth that we grow up into our new head, Jesus. You want to change as a Christian, believe what Jesus believes, value what Jesus values, prioritize what Jesus prioritizes, be made new in the attitude of your mind. You've got to obviously read your Bible. You've got to engage with city groups where you debate the Bible. You've got to open up to what we learned last week, speaking the truth and receiving the truth in love. But ultimately, our minds have to be changed. How do I grow as a Christian? Try hard? Paul says, no. Be who you are. Be changed in your mind. Once that's in place, now start to live a new way. I said Paul talks about taking off old clothes and putting on new clothes. And did look again, verse 22 to 23. He says, the former way of life, verse 22. Then he says, be made new in the attitude of your minds, 23. And then he says, put on. It's interesting that Paul sandwiches putting off and putting on with a new mindset, isn't it? You have to have a new mindset to know what to take off and what to put on. Take off the old self, which is corrupted. That's not you anymore. Stop. You don't, you don't need that. And put on the new self, which is created to be like God. Isn't that, I just love that. Created to be like God in, in true righteousness and holiness. So there's a negative and a positive. There's taking off and putting on. There's putting to death and, and putting on a new self. I have in my mind a picture of someone taking off successes of layer, layers, successive layers of clothing Actively taking off the old sin, the old mindset, the old habits, the old ways of living, the old ways of thinking. Actively, I've got to get rid of this. And then putting on the new clothes that fit so much better. That's how we were created, to be like God. But here's the thing. You can't put on new clothes until you got rid of all the rags. In other words, you can't say, God, I know there's this area of sin in my life. I'm just going to hope you're going to just ignore it, and I'm just going to try and put on holiness. No, no. God says, take it off, then the new clothes will fit. You can't say, God, there's this habit in my life that I'm just, gonna, just not even going to bother with anymore, but I'm going to try and put on love. No, don't work. Take it off first. God, there's this area of darkness that no one really knows about, and I'm just going to ignore that. Can I put on this light? No, you can't put on that light clothing. Because there's darkness underneath. It doesn't work. So you have to go, God, I need to repent. I need to put to death. I need to take off. It's just not who I am. I need to bring it into the light of Christian community. I need to get rid of the old rags. I need to take off the prison garments before I try and put on another hoodie. 
I'll just look stupid. It'll all be baggy. Over the next chapters, next week and the week after, we're going to talk about what are these old clothes and what are the new clothes. We're going to go into the details. But for now, where is the Holy Spirit prompting you that if you're going to make a change, you need to take that bit of clothing off? Because it's not who you are. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't bring hope. It doesn't give you that confidence. Take it off. Take off the old rags. They're futile thinking. Lord, I'm futile. I, I, I can't quite kick this futile thinking. I still think like the Gentile. I need to just think anew. It's not who I am. I need to get rid of that. What clothes do you need to get rid of? Greed, immorality, impurity, drunkenness, sexual immorality, slander, hatred, unforgiveness. Do you wanna, is your life dominated by fear? Do you need to have a tighter rein on your tongue? Do you need to live a sexually pure life as Jesus? Do you need to get rid of some habits and, and, and attitudes that are, that are not in line with the new person that you are? Do you need to love people that are different from you? Do you need to manage your anger better? Do you need to be less envious, bitter, or judgmental, less emotionally unstable? Do you need to be less of a coward? Do you need to love your spouse or your children better? Do you need to complain less? Do you need to c overcome your greed or your laziness or your gluttony? Do you need to kick some habit? Do you want to grow in love, joy, whatever it is? How do I do it? Remember who you are. Live as who you are. A new identity, a new mindset, a new nature. And as you know who you are, Lord, this isn't appropriate. I don't, I'm in Christ, so I can bring this into the light knowing I'm forgiven and justified. I don't need to feel ashamed of it because I can get rid of it. I'm forgiven. And Christ is in me. I actually can do this because he's in me doing it. You don't have to be a pessimist about spiritual change. I'm never going to change. You will. Christ is in you, and you are in him. So be who you are. Be changed in the attitude of your mind. Take off those old clothes and put on the new clothes. If you want to stand, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing to respond. And I want to take a moment for us to think through what we've been thinking and what the Apostle Paul has been challenging us on. Where are there clothes that you need to say, Lord, I want to take this off. It's not about me trying harder. It's about being who I am and accepting who I am in Christ. So let's take a moment. Uh, the music can start and I'll pray and then we'll sing. If you're comfortable, you can just close your eyes as a way of being able to focus on what the Spirit is doing now in your life. I want you to first of all to think about which bit of the truth of Christ is in you or you are in Christ, do you need to know? Christ is in you, talks about the power that you've been given to change. It's his power. And you're in Christ, talks about the legal standing that you're blameless before your father because of Jesus. Which truth do you need now? Which good news do you need now? Is it about your justification or is it about your sanctification? It all comes from being in Christ. As you think on that, I then want you to think, which bit of clothing do I need to take off? And what bit of clothing do I need to put on? Because this is who I am. Lord, I pray that we as a church would not, I pray it would just with Paul that we'd insist on it in the Lord, that we must no longer live 
as those that don't, do not know you live in the futility of their thinking. And I pray that we would learn to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Even now, Holy Spirit, as we sing, remind us of who we are, that we are in you, Christ, and Christ is in us. We have a new nature. Give us a new mindset over the things that we just believe the wrong things about. And Lord, give us action then, to the action to take off the wrong clothes and put on the new based on who we are.